All right. Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin. I'm here joined by Jason and Lincoln. Welcome to the show, boys. Hey, everybody. Hey, how's it What's going? going on? All right. Well, right here, we have the trio that drove out to Chicago together for Adepticon 2023. And yeah, that is what we're talking about today is our recap of the awesome weekend that we had out there in Schaumburg, Illinois, pushing minis around, rolling dice, admiring paint jobs, and eating delicious food. So, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. So, yeah, we're excited to share with you guys uh, our recap. I know, Jason, this was, I think this was your first time there, right? Yep, it was. Yep, it was my first time as well. But, Lincoln, you are a veteran of Adepticon. So, in in like 30 seconds or less, how did this Adepticon compare to previous years? Um, I feel like it was definitely the biggest Adepticon since COVID. Um, Yep. Not as big as pre-COVID, but still from the AOS, I think it's as big as it's ever been or really close. Uh, they had over 200 people for the AOS tournament, wow. so that's really great. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And I know you played primarily AOS, so you're going to give us our AOS report today. Um, and uh, you you and your gaming club, we'll get into this a little bit, the uh, the uh, bottom table bullies, you guys did pretty, pretty good this weekend. Represented pretty yeah. well. Yeah, we did. Not, not sure you were at the bottom tables. <laughs> Lincoln that's, was a little that's bit. the goal, but it doesn't always end up that way. So, yeah, you never yeah. know. so before we get started, of course, let's get into our geek week. Lincoln, how was your geek week? My geek week is pretty good. I've been doing uh, recovering from my travels for the Depticon, mm-hmm. and I've been doing a ton of 3D printing. So, I've been playing a lot of uh, Frostgrave lately, and I decided I need to have my own table with all of my own beautiful terrain. So, I've been my buddy Kale let me borrow his uh. His Maker Gear M3, and I've been putting it to serious work. It pretty much has been going 24 hours a day at my house for about three weeks. So my wife says, what is that noise? <laughs> close the door, close the next door, try to muffle the sound. We can sleep with the printer going. It's okay. Yeah, I think we can hear it right now going, right? Uh, that's okay, though. My, music to my Yeah, ears. that's good. That's, right. that's good. That's Hobby right. and-, and, and Frostgrave is one of those tables that is terrain-hungry. Right, like uh, it's you use way more terrain than you would in Age of Sigmar or 40k, way more. maybe like, like way like more five to six times more terrain, yeah. So, um, and what it does is it makes it look pretty epic when you play your games, amazing, right? Yes. Yeah, it makes them look pretty epic. So, but we're gonna get into Frostgrave because that's one of the games that Jason and I played today. So, uh, yeah, do 3D printing, recovering. Uh, I think you finished a Frostgrave campaign this week, didn't you? I did, yes. So, our local game store, Huzzah Hobby, shout out in Ashburn, uh, Virginia. We've got a Tuesday night uh, group of us to get together at six o'clock to play Frostgrave every Tuesday. And we've done about a 10 game campaign, came to an end. We're getting ready to start another one soon. But a 10-game campaign came to an end yesterday, and uh, there's some epic moments. It's, it ended with, I won't spoil the whole thing, but it ended with my apprentice and my knight uh, both being seriously injured, badly wounded. So they will not be able to continue their adventuring. But they didn't die. They avoided death. So, like I said, they will uh, be in the tavern recounting stories, for, uh, recounting stories of their adventures for others, uh, but no longer adventuring, you know. When you got a limp, you you get chased down a frost grave pretty easy. So it's better to just uh, hang on the bar. <laughs> we had a similar injury in our game, and I can't wait to talk about it. 
fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Jason, how was your Geek Week? Had fun, man. I uh, came back from Adepticon and opened up my Star Wars Legion box. Oh. Started assembling my ATST, which, by the way, the Legion characters are like, it's like easy mode for yes. assembling characters. So oh, my good, gosh. Right? It's amazing. <laughs> oh my Everything gosh. about that game, believe it or not, is easy and great and amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and oh. you got a really good deal on it, right? Didn't you? Yeah, I got uh, I got the Blizzard box for like a hundred bucks because it was at the end of the convention, and uh, I guess they didn't want to take it home with them. So forty percent right. off, right there. Word to the wise out there. Yeah, Go to it's actually my second Blizzard get, box. Get so yeah. <laughs> I've got, oh. I've got, uh, I've got some options now to put on the table. So I'm excited about that. But awesome. uh, yeah, that was it. My next one is that my Hell Knight came. Which I'm Ooh, super awesome. excited about. Yeah, this this game, you know, it originally was supposed to be just a paperback, but because he got this is an example of actually like one of the most successful Kickstarters I've ever been a part of. Uh, indie Kickstarters like this guy, he got a bunch of money and he just started adding. He's like, all right, it's not going to be paperback. It's going to be hardback now because I got enough money. And awesome. then he put, like three different printers. And until and he was kept us updated the whole time. He was showing us like, you know, the sample prints that were coming. And, and when he would he would he'd get stuff back from a printer and he'd look at it and he'd be like, "This crap does isn't good enough." And he'd show us pictures and he'd be like, "This isn't good enough, guys. I'm gonna have to take a little bit more time because I want to make sure we get a good print." So it wasn't just like a, we didn't know what was going on and then all of a sudden, sorry, I can't ship even though I was supposed to ship tomorrow. It was yeah. we knew the whole time. And now I've got this like really good quality book with like a foil cover i mean and it, it represents like the you know the zines of like the 80s and 90s right mm. like every part that of the cool uh really really a lot of fun right um and it is uh i think i said this in our chat it's like it's gonna be like a rated r 80s uh biker movie rpg like that's how it's gonna feel it's a really fun premise like basically some there are demons in hell that escaped hell and they went up to the surface of the earth to like kind of like play. So they're pretending to be like, you know, businessmen or like uh, own casinos or they're pretending to be, you know, buildings and just doing weird stuff. And the angels come from heaven down to hell and they're like, they're like, dude, you guys are destroying the balance. We're not supposed to mess with earth. Angels stay in heaven, demons stay in hell. So fix your problem. So the players are actually hell knights that are sent from hell on bikes to go hunt down the the trade, <laughs> bring them back to hell. Oh, that is awesome! So it's going to be told. It's going to be a blast, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and it's just get in the car. You're going to hell. It's get in the car. <laughs> right. Go to it's your not, home, demon. Go to your not, home. It's it's not trying to be. <laughs> It's not trying to be anything it isn't. I mean, That's it is funny. just straight up like, you know, it, it's straight up hardcore. Uh, you know, is there a cool playing. intro paragraph you could read us? Yeah, okay, here you go. It says, uh, let's say, here we go. It says, hell, the dimension of pain and spiritual atonement has suffered an insurrection. Its ruler has gone missing and the domain is convulsed by the inefficiency of a headless hierarchy. A few archons, powerful demons who rule over the circles, have escaped their obligations and are wreaking havoc on Earth. Now a celestial herald from the cohorts of heaven has come with an ultimatum. You have until dawn to remove the deserters from the realm of man, or else we will storm your gates. 
It's your solemn duty to hunt down these dangerous demonic fugitives, gather your unholy arms, armor, and cursed relics. The fate of the cosmic balance lies in your hands. An infernal choir has been summoned to honor your quest and bid farewell as you blaze through the gates of torment on your thundering hell ride. An infernal choir. They're just yeah. like, just like <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a blast, man. We're going to, I'll set it up. We'll have a night and we'll get a bunch of people together and just have a good Two time. Two words. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. It's going to be good times, man. Leather is encouraged, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my geek week, man. I've been pouring through this little book. Nice, awesome. nice, nice. Uh, so my geek week kind of started before Val, um, before uh, Adepticon. I started playing the game Valheim with one of our guy, one of our good gaming friends, Mike, who um, is in the Discord with us, and uh, you know we know from other gaming things. Uh, it's fun. It's like Minecraft meets Nordic Vikings, right? So if you've ever played like Ark or some of these other kind of like first person yeah. survival games, that's not like pixelated like Minecraft, right? But it's kind of the same concept. You go beat up some trees. You get some wood, you build an axe, you build a stone axe. You know what I mean? You do those types of things. Um, but like the buildings you can make are much cooler because it's not just um, it's not just uh, uh, like pixelated blocks. Like you yeah. actually build like Viking Valhalla homes, you know, that have walls and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, and the cool thing is you can do it co-op and get in there together and start doing it. And so. Um, I guess our friend the other day had built a house, but he didn't put up any kind of protections, and a, a an army of dwarves came in and tore it down. So he's like, "I'm going to kill those." These are they're like NPCs, yeah. Hmm. So he's like, "I'm going to kill those dwarves." You know, <laughs> yeah. Is it? Um, are they? Are they your own servers or are they hosted servers? So, like, you can always turn your game into a server. Right, and I'm using this in quotes into a server, which basically okay. means that you can invite people into your game to play co co op. Uh, gotcha. And I think you can have up to sixteen people in there at one time. Um, but if you want a dedicated server to where people can stay in there even while you're out, basically you have to create your world and then leave it, leave the machine running. Yeah, you know, to be able to do it. So. Yeah. We did that uh, back when I used to be heavy into Ark. I was in like a guild yeah. that played Ark Evolved and they had guys that would buy extra Xboxes and accounts and would leave their Xboxes running in the basement 24-7 so that we had a common server we could all jump onto. It's yeah, pretty crazy. That's yeah, That's hardcore. It's like, let the Xbox burn. Speaking yeah. of which, <laughs> my Xbox One S died Oh, two, two days no. ago. Wow. Because because my wife says we leave it on in the basement, so your buddies. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I Interesting. know. Right? Yeah. But hey, now I have an excuse to buy a brand new Xbox One X. That's there right. You go. So Get I, was you go. I was looking on Best Buy and Amazon, trying to figure which way I want to go. So, I'm curious yeah, to see. I'm curious to see what the tech tree like. How far you can go in the tech tree? Like Ark Evolve would start, and you'd be like naked on a beach, right? Yeah. And then and then you'd think you were doing well and you'd run in the island and you find some other players who've been playing for like a week and they were like flying on pterodactyls with like stone machine guns, you know. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um it you can uh, from what I played, I think I played like 3 or 4 hours. I I had a bow that I was hunting boars and deer with. It was allowing me to then like upgrade my tools and my hut and stuff like that. Uh. And the cool thing that I like about this that um, I didn't really necessarily get in Ark. Now, granted, I didn't play Ark very long, but um, as soon as you like 
get to your world, there's this crow, the spiritual crow. So the story of Valheim is this, is that um, Valheim is like the underworld, like the deep, deep underworld. And there's these like monsters that are kind of like creeping up out of that and then terrorizing the other like Heims, right? The other worlds in this mm. Nordic thing. And so Odin has sent his best warriors who died down there to kind of keep it under control. Hmm. So you're the you're one of these warriors that are born down there and you got to kind of like survive. And then as soon as you get down there, the bird says, hey, this location I'm marking on there is one of these like mythical beasts that you're going to have to kill. But you're going to need to level up right away. So like oh, right away you have a quest, right? Like cool. like I need to kill these things. And um, it's all PV, PVE. It's not any PVP, right? Because oh, okay. you're friends are in there so like random you can't i guess you could in theory make it open to anybody in the world and they could jump into it but um that's not really my style i'd rather play with people and defeat the elements around me you know what i mean so yeah but so i did that and then um i've been picking up again the black company book which is um by glenn cook i finished the first book i'm on the second one um Again, this uh, it's really cool. It's a it's a dark military fantasy, right? So these mm. guys are like mercenaries, and they're hired by this um, this sorceress who is totally evil, but they're doing the job because she's paying. You know what I mean? And and um, and it's not like the alternatives are that much better. Like it's pretty dark. It's like a dark fantasy, right? So it's kind of like, well, if you're not on this side, you're on that side, and it's not. It's the, the pastures aren't greener over there. You know, and so they're this mercenary company doing it. The first book, um, this was this guy's first book that he wrote. And it was a little choppy because he was kind of writing it in a style of like how, well, let me put it this way. The main character is an analyst, uh, not analyst, uh, uh, a, a chronicler, <clears throat> right, in the annals that he that he writes in. And so what you were getting were sort of his writings into the into the annals to record like this company's history right so it felt like almost like a war diary like almost like if you were to get like letters from vietnam like kind of like that like telling the story the second book is a little bit more smooth like it's not doesn't feel so much like you know letters so much but um it's still very much a dark fantasy but i i really like it i think it's great um it's it's got some really interesting kind of premises and and uh, it just goes to show, like, hey, like, these mercenary companies probably weren't, like, the nicest people, and they didn't work for the nicest people either, you know? So um, right. it's pretty good. I like it. And there's a lot of RPG fodder in there. We talked yeah, about our cool. military campaign stuff before. Like, this is a great source for if you want to, like, build military campaigns on how you can do that. So Nice. Yeah, really cool, good cool. stuff. So, yeah, very good. That was our Geek Week. Oh man, I didn't put up our, our little banners. That's, That's okay. okay. Everyone knows. Everybody knows what <laughs> Geek Week is, right? Uh, Jason, Everybody. I think we've I think we've got some geek news, right? Yeah, yeah. Let me present my screen here, uh, and we'll uh, we'll do it here. Let's see, uh, entire screen over here. Share. There we go. All right, man. So Free League, who we talk about a lot on this podcast, we love their stuff, right? We love Free League stuff. In fact, Free League just did their their Kickstarter. Is, I think it's still active, right, for The Walking Dead yes. right now, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. If you haven't backed yeah. it, you know, absolutely worth it because you know it's going to be good quality stuff. I know I'm a backer. Excellent quality. I, and here's the thing, Jason. I would be super dubious about normally about a Walking Dead 
mm-hmm. like RPG. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I'd be like, oh, okay, they're just taking something and reskinning yeah. it. Like, I don't feel that way about Free League. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it really well because we've seen it happen with Blade Runner, Aliens, The One Ring. Like, they, they yeah. just do excellent jobs across the board. Yeah, I think what's cool about their RPGs is they throw mechanics in that are different from other ones. Like, for example, in the Aliens RPG, they have the um, there's there's multiple phases. There's like the hunted phase. Mm-hmm. So, you know, normally if you're in combat, you think, all right, you're in combat. Like they discovered you and then you jump in and you're all like moving around on a map and rolling dice and stuff. Right. So they abstract that away and they say first there's a you treat the map as zones. And the players don't necessarily know this, but the GM does, or the, what do they call it? The mother, the mother does, right? There are zones and um, the alien is moving around in zones while the players are moving in zones. So I'm not actually tracking like, you know, five hexes for feet. I'm just tracking a general zone, like the aliens over here and you guys are over here. Right. Uh, And then when you get into combat, like the ranges are very, it's very loose, but it kind of, it's a nice little hybrid of theater of the mind um, and kind of, kind of miniatures. So they, they throw little things like that in and there's mechanics for when you're in the hunt mode versus when you're actually fighting. And Mm. the walking dead is going to have that too, right? They're going to have, they're going to have mechanics. The stress mechanic is going to be there. Um, like what was in uh, the Year Zero engine that was adopted for Aliens and was tailored for the Blood, the Blade Runner RPG. There's a stress mechanic there. The Walking Dead has a stress. It also has a, um, which they just released a, a, a campaign update. It has a, a mechanic for like your safe zone, whereas how much food you have in your safe zone, how strong your hold and is I- for like, it, it, you know, if it's a level X safe zone, then it could withstand uh, a horde of zombies for 1d6 days before they would break through the defenses. So you kind of have, as you play the game, there are different modes to play the game. You can play like a campaign, like story development, character development, or you can play, and we don't know much about it yet, but you can play a mode where you are literally like, you know, fighting off the zo- a horde of zombies and just trying to survive. So that'll be interesting. But the point of the news story right here is that they have released two licenses so far which they announced back when we were going through the watsi issues right with mm-hmm. the open gaming license they announced that they were going to put one out well they have there's the free tabletop license ftl which is based off of their year zero engine um and then their uh the second one they did is specifically to their dragon bane game which is like their version of a fantasy rpg Yep. What I, I like, I back that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous. You know, like I said, all their art and everything. But uh, one thing I like about this is they say very clearly, right? It gives all creators irrevocable, worldwide, royalty-free right to use the zero, Year Zero Engine standard reference and freely publish their own role-playing games based on it. Period. Nice. <laughs> it's a we believe in the community and this is what it's about this is what it will always be about for us right which i think is really really cool um and then that's uh version until 1. they 0. make billions <laughs> until they make billions they well uh, or they're sold to someone else right it's right. always the case right in their their current <laughs> paradigm with their current you know um their current hierarchy whatever you want to call it these are the people these are what the brains behind it right now feel and that's that's good um, awesome. all available online easy to get the dragon bane is a third party license it's mm-hmm. a little bit different it's specifically focused to you can make you know 
explicit content compatible with Dragon Bane, and you can put the Dragon Bane logo on your stuff. Wow. So yeah, so really, really cool that they've done that as well. So good company. Obviously, they care about the community and they care about the community producing content for the games. So if you uh, like Free League, you should look up their YouTube channel. They have like once every couple weeks a QA session or maybe like once a month about like what's happening and um, people can submit questions. And um, it's great to hear uh, Thomas Herrenstam talk about, you know, where they're at with some of their stuff and what they're, yeah. what they've got coming up as well. Uh, just he's, he's as open, I think as he can be right. Like sometimes he can't get into like too many production details, but like sometimes I've heard him say, Oh yeah, I think um, right now that's with the artists, which, you know, we've given them four weeks. And so we expect to see it back which gives us this. And so we are, are on track with it, you know? And so, yeah. Um, very, I think one of the most transparent companies out there yeah. when it comes to gaming and Kickstarters and stuff like that. Right. So like I guess I, I backed their dragon Bane. It's supposed to ship sometime August 23. And just last week they sent me an email saying, uh, last chance, final hunt for typos in dragon Bane. So <laughs> yeah. they actually published the PDF to all the backers yeah. So that we could help them find typos before they send it to print. But like they said, they have a few days left. Let's go, everybody. And so it's pretty, like you said, totally transparent. They're like, come on, guys, help That's us a, find our typos, you know? Yeah. Pretty That's cool. That's a great so, way to do it, too. Because yeah. it's like, you know, you, you, you'll go through a book and you're like, oh, there's a typo. And it's like, at that point, there's nothing they can do about it. And right. that many eyes on it, they'll catch them. They'll catch them all, you know, that with that many people. Yeah. So. Really cool. and, and just from their last Kickstarter, they did. Uh, like almost seven, or just over seven hundred fifty thousand dollars before the pledge manager. So, wow, um, pretty awesome. Eleven thousand six hundred eighty-four backers. Yep, good stuff. Yeah, really great. <clears throat> good stuff. That's really great. Any other news, Jason? No, I think that keeps it uh, short. Uh, this this episode. Okay, great, great. Sounds good. I can't wait to see what uh, what stuff the community is going to put out for free league. Yeah, man. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right. Well, let's get to our main topic then, uh, which is Adepticon 2023. So this is our official recap of it, uh, official tabletop and beyond recap. Uh, the, the journey started with a 12-hour drive from Northern Virginia to uh, Schaumburg, Illinois, which is just northwest of Chicago in the suburbs there. Uh, and I think the, the biggest thing that came out of that is that Lincoln can probably talk for eight hours straight about frost. frost yeah, 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 totally. I think it yeah. might've been 13 or 12. I think it might've been the whole trip <laughs> just about, I said, Hey guys, if you're giving me the okay to talk about frost grade, we can go, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we stopped a couple of times like for lunch and I fell in and out of sleep a couple of times cause I was sitting in the back and Lincoln was still talking about frost grade. So, you know, like it was pretty amazing. <laughs> It's a fun game, man. I really enjoyed it. It really is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Justin and Jason, just to kind of preface here, they had both signed up for the Frostgrave game at Adepticon on on Saturday, and I want to make sure that they were up on all the rules. So, you know, yeah. we got to help a brother out, you know? Yeah, man. And to be it fair, had, we had helped. never played it. Never right. played yeah. Right. So, were you Yeah, well but we prepared? were experts on that table that Were day. you well prepared? We oh, oh, yeah. Totally. Were, right? Oh, yeah. my yeah. gosh, yes. Yeah. 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 You had welcome. a you had a you have a uh uh um a process that was very effective. Awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was very good. So, uh, yeah, so we get to let's see, uh, Lincoln, you were staying at the Renaissance Hotel, yep. which was there, which is one of the bigger ones. Jason and I were staying at an off hotel because we didn't get registered for Adepticon as early as most other people did. But Adepticon you know, the hotel nice thing are so hard to get, They're they, so are. they are, it was just around the corner where we were, it was too. just around the corner. And what I was gonna say is, um, like if you go to the Nova Open, um, you like to to drive have to drive there you usually have to pay for parking you usually you know what i mean it's like 15 dollars a day or something like Some that of those lots 15 close to 27 at like nine o'clock and you can't get your car out there's all kinds of problems right yeah yeah exactly and so the nice thing about this uh this convention is that at the renaissance they had a ton of open parking that you could lots. park at and in fact jason i don't think we ever struggled to find parking no not really yeah, yeah. sometimes good. we parked semi illegally but yeah there's no yellow on the side. That's right. Yeah. So, or the, but, yeah. at least not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, it might have washed off. But uh, no, I mean, like we, you know, so that was nice. Uh, even though we were uh, offsite, we were just like what a five minute drive away. It was so at, easy. You know? Yeah. You know, yep. so well, you guys were actually quite you know. close where people go for dinner anyway. So it yeah. really is, really is nice. And there, yeah. previous years, it has been really bad parking that we have even parked at other hotels and walked. <laughs> Oh, so, wow. like I said, this year, then to your point, it really was great. Parking yeah, was great. Yeah, in fact, our uh, <clears throat> our Frostgrave day was at a hotel, a different hotel that just happened to be directly behind our hotel. So we just walked yeah. to it. Which it was, was like a hundred awesome. yards away. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, so yeah, you made really out cool. like bandits staying there. Yeah, we did. You would have had to drive the other way if you would have been at Schomburg. Right? That's right. That's, awesome. that's right. And they had so, a really yeah. good breakfast. Yeah. Breakfast were great. Yeah, they at our served hotel. you eggs and sausage and mm-hmm. you know waffles and French waffles. toast. And, like yeah. they literally served. Like, there was a lady behind the counter was like, "Would you like some eggs, sir? Would you like some sausage?" My hotel had none of that. Yeah, none of it. So it was nice. We stayed at the Hyatt Place, which, which again, wasn't that far. I would say though that like, if you were flying to Schaumburg and staying at our hotel where we're at at the Hyatt Place, like. I don't know that you would want to not have a car. Yeah, you'd have to Uber every day, and that would probably you, be yeah. expensive. Yeah, and so yeah. we had uh, one of our good friends and Patreon member, uh, Justin Orton. He was staying at a hotel on the other side, the like the Wyndham. So he was on the other side of the freeway, and he was able to kind of like cut through a bunch of buildings and get to the get to the. Um, uh, convention center pretty quickly yep. even though he was off site we were just on the other side of the freeway so you would have had to like walk all the way down to where there was a bridge and then over and stuff like that so um, just if you're planning to go to Adepticon in the future and you look at hotels just keep that in mind because I, I think we it would have yeah. been less fun without a car yeah if you, you don't have your own car try to stay in the convention hotel or one within walking distance otherwise yeah. make sure you're driving or yeah. you're get a rental car or something yep Cool, cool. Although but Jason yeah, does my, like my breakfast, Jason, I had like beef jerky and soda every day. <laughs> here you are, not no low no lie. Like one morning, I literally said, "I'm having orange soda. Does that count? Is that like orange juice? <laughs> like beef jerky and orange soda? Like, terrible. <laughs> breakfast of champions, right there, Lincoln. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. breakfast. And I, and I was like, I was like waiting for the waffle machine to ding. I was like, oh, fresh hot waffles right here. It's like fresh the high hot school waffles. breakfast, right? Yeah, that's right. The only downside is we had to have syrups and packs. Ugh. Yeah. You so poor bougie. thing. Horrible. Yeah. yeah first, world, so, first world problems. You poor thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was good. So we get there the first night. 
Uh, we get all checked into our hotels and stuff like that. And when we got there, that line to get into registration was so long. Um, so but, but the thing is, is as with every convention, and this is just kind of tr tricks of the trade, you always want to get your badge the night before. Like you never want to try to wait the next morning to get your badge because inevitably you'll be late for your event. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Decathlon is pretty cool going. Like if you don't have your badge, they don't send you away. But it's right. not like they're they're not scanning badges and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think I even showed my badge to anybody. Right, right, I think right. one That's day right. I left my badge in the hotel and yeah. it just. Yeah. If you know where you're going, right now, when you yeah. get your badge, if you have like upgraded attendee packages like VIGs, very important yeah. gamer, then that badge has on the back of it the items that you get extra. So like I ordered a hoodie, a Depticon 2023 hoodie. And that was listed on the back of my badge. Yeah. So if I had not gotten my badge, I would not have been able to pick up right. my hoodie. So, right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, um, one thing, Lincoln, that I thought you did well is just said, oh, the line's super long. Let's go play a game for a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And we went and played uh, Dark Mage's card game, which uh, is an excellent, excellent uh, quick part like party game. You can play with, I think, up to what, six people? Twelve eight. people? We, we played up to eight before. Yeah. So. Okay. Eight. Yeah, so you can play up to eight, and it's just a lot of fun. You roll some dice, and we had an epic game that night where Jason would not die until he did. It's kind of like I Magic did. the Gathering, but no no lands required, right? Yeah. Pretty much no lands required, and all your damage is done in dice. You roll dice for hit, for attacking, and damage. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah, quick, it was, easy uh, it was to a learn. great game. Yep. Yeah, we picked it up pretty quick, and then... Um, by the time that we were done, we were able to get down to the badges, and I think we only stood in line for like 15 minutes or something yeah, like that, yeah. and and got there. Yeah, I've been doing so. the DepticCon since about 2010, so I've been through all the tricks. I know that hey, just wait till later. We'll go down yeah. there. All the tryhards have gotten through the line. We can pick up our badge at the end, you know, no problem. Yeah, because it was getting hot, sweaty, and stinky in that line. For you sure. know, just walking through it. Yeah, so. Yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, so that pretty much capped our night there. And then we started early the next morning. Uh, Jason, we did the Warcry GT, um, the grand yep. tournament, which was a one-day tournament. It was four rounds. Um, there was initially 36 people that signed up. Uh, six people ended up dropping before, like, the tickets closed, I think, a couple of days before Depticon started. And then there was a couple of no-shows that morning. So I think all, all said and done, we had 28 people in the tournament, um, which is still a pretty good size for Warcry. I think that's one of the biggest ones that we've had in uh, North America. I think, you know, Warhammer World in, in Nottingham, UK, has had some bigger ones. But uh, I think this is maybe the biggest one that we've had so far at 28. So yeah. um, that's really good. We're not going to break down the lists right now. We're going to save that for our Winnie Warcry podcast. Um, but we will talk about some of the highlights. Uh, Dan Herrera, who is, you know, obviously our uh, one one of our guest hosts on the Winning Warcry, he won the tournament uh, with his Chimera and Nurgle list, so that was pretty epic. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jason's like showing some games here. This is a fun picture because it shows, you know, the two real good players, Dan Herrera over here and Justin Orton over yeah, here. Yeah, Justin's who gonna thank you for that picture, by the way. He's looking yeah. really sharp there. Yeah, well, yeah, right. hey, you know, that's, it's, hey, never be ashamed of who you are, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. That's right. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Justin is the guy who we had on the podcast a couple months ago. He's the guy who flew over and won, what, Warhammer World's Warcry event, right? Yep. yep. Yep, right? And then we got Dan Herrera, Salty Sea Gamer, right? 
This is the champion table. This is going for first place right here. And just look, look at, at their both faces. Looking at their table right yeah, there. And then look at second place right next to them. These guys are laughing and having a good time. And these <laughs> and guys those are like, guys, oh my God. They're like working out the yeah. win. And the other, how do I get that W? And the other yeah. guys are just having a hell of a time. Like, <laughs> right. Awesome. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it was this table and there was another one next to it um, that uh, that was almost full for the uh, GT uh, itself. But you can kind of get an idea there looking at, uh, you know, kind of what the boards looked like. Right. In terms of rain. I actually think, Justin, that um, according to the books, right, the books say you should have two pieces of terrain per quadrant. Yep. And I think that these tables didn't quite have that. They were completely. a little light, I felt like. They yeah. were a little light, which I think may have worked to, you know, the monster's benefit, but not yeah. all the time. I think, you know, and, and Dan is a great player, so he's going to take advantage of that board space that's there. Um, but that said, there was still a hefty amount of terrain on. You could still take advantage some tables, of it. Yeah, some tables had more than others. Like, yeah. one of them that I was playing, um, they had two two of those kind of big wall terrains, you know, and they were coming in at kind of a, a 90 degree angle to each other, but there was a gap between them and a mega boss tried to fit through it, but his base was too big. Yeah. And the guy thought he could just go through it. And I said, uh, I said, I think that that is like, that's an obstacle. It's not a doorway. It, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a doorway or an arch That's an obstacle. And so we had to get a TO ruling because, you know, just to, just to be, you know, perfectly clear, I said, whatever they rule, like I'm totally fine with, but um, I'm pretty sure that that's an obstacle, not a, not a doorway or an archway. What they rule? And that's, they ruled that it was an obstacle, that two obstacles. Yeah. Cause, and yeah. I could understand the confusion because they had put a uh, bridge over the top of it. So it looked like an archway, right? But it wasn't an official archway. If you look at the picture, that front, yeah. you see that front bridge, Jason? Yep. That literally is just like it was just like that, but the two walls were a little closer together. Yeah. Yep. So there's two yeah. different pieces of terrain connected yep. by an archway over top. Yep. And what's interesting to... about this right here is uh, they did this a lot loosely. You really needed to establish with your players these pieces, these surfaces are technically not traversable. Mm. Yeah. Right here, but they put the bridge over it. It's like, wait a minute, what's that bridge sitting on? Because like yeah, this is not a valid. Yeah place so you just kind of talk with your opponent and say hey we're just gonna what do you want to do and most most of my opponents were like we'll say that you, some of my opponents said you had to jump from here to the bridge other opponents yeah. said you know you can move on it but you can't stop on it i was like all right as long as we shake hands at the beginning of the game right, that's good you yeah. know, take whatever. a step take a step right like yeah don't stop you'll fall up but if you yeah, keep running like you can yeah. 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 yeah that makes sense yeah. actually yeah that's some good sportsmanship so, that makes sense so it was great it was a, it was a, it was a good tournament um you know, it, I think like a typical Warcry tournament, um, you had guys who were bringing pretty narrative style lists, like ones that weren't super competitive, and you had ones that were bringing super competitive. So um, I don't know, Lincoln, like we, we kind of had this debate in our Winnie Warcry episode last time. Do you feel like at a 200 person tournament that like the bottom 50 are just playing lists that they like to play with? Or do you think they're so, trying to bring competitive lists in a 200? Everybody's bringing a competitive list in a 200-person tournament. I would say the bottom 50 is probably split out of two two groups. Guys that are new to the game and they don't know how to make a competitive list. They're just playing with uh -huh. what they have. And then you have guys that brought competitive lists and lost. End up, being, end up on the bottom, and they are what we call bottom table bullies. 
<laughs> I think that's probably what it was made up of. Guys that were not happy to yeah. be at the bottom, they may maybe have lists that don't belong at the bottom, but they got yeah. outmaneuvered. They made mistakes, and they find themselves on that bottom table being a bully to the guy who's like learning the game and right bringing playing what he's got. You know, I think that's probably what your bottom fifth year playing. Yeah, because I think I think and and I don't know how you feel about this, Jason, but I felt like the GT they had like you know a good third of the players probably like I don't know maybe seven to ten of the players maybe were either new. This was like their first tournament that they've ever been to. Um, they're playing models that they had gotten out of the box and maybe added an ally in there somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't just the most competitive list, but, um, you know, the, the nice thing is, is that you go into after round two, everybody's pretty much right size to where they're at, right? Like everybody's, everybody's playing against, a, uh, especially the last table, everyone's playing against someone who they can have a great game with. Um, they're not, you know, in the first round, it can be kind of a crap shoot you might get paired up with somebody who's just going to stomp you. Um, yeah. You know, if you didn't bring a super competitive list, that's just kind of how it works. And then in the second in the second round, if you got lucky with a non-competitive list, then you're really going to get stomped because then you're going to face off against some really competitive people. Right, right so, now, what was the work right? Was it three games? It was four. Four games. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say, yeah, probably, I would think maybe round three would be the best pair, yep. your best pairing. Because I could see, like, let's say if you and Jason, for example, both season Warcry players, you guys could easily get matched up playing each other round one. And then yeah, whoever right, loses, exactly. whoever loses, some poor sucker's got to suffer through you, right? Yeah. On a bottom table, yeah. right? And then round three, you're going to find yourself back up playing higher player, you know, higher caliber yeah, players that point. know what they're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, rounds are on the tournament. yeah. Round two, I faced off against Justin Orton, who ended up taking third place. And then round four, I ended up facing off against Peter Mer- uh, Merson Cabbage, who um, was at our tournament. Uh, I think Lincoln, when you came by, you saw me playing Peter. Yeah, Peter's a great um, guy too. Really nice guy, good player, yep, very competent yep. player for sure. And he he took second, so I ended up getting twelfth yeah. overall. And my two losses were to the guys who took second and third place. Right. So. <laughs> right, you're like there was no easy path for me to the top. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Sometimes exactly. that's how it goes, man. Sometimes that's how yeah. it goes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of my losses in the individual for AOS was against Tyler Mangle. And he's, you yeah. know, he's kind of a famous guy. I don't know. I very know he plays seasoned. competitive and he, he wins very seasoned. And I just drew him as a, as an opponent, you know, so that's how it goes. Yep, definitely. Definitely. Any other thoughts on the Warcry GT, Jason? On the GT? Um, no, no. I think, uh, you know, uh, hats off to the judge who unfortunately all I have is a picture of his back right there. <laughs> I didn't get a picture of, of him, but who I think it was his name, Steve. Yeah. Chris. That sounds about right. Steve, Steve. Steve. Yeah. Uh, thanks Steve. You know, if you do hear this eventually for running this for us, it's always fun to get a, a competitive day in, uh, to a, a game that probably has, as we saw a, a, a much larger narrative side, it was fun to get yeah. that competitive side in. So appreciate that. You know, you know what was great about this too is that he kind of readily admitted he's like, I'm I'm running in this event, but I'm I'm not perfect at this, right? Like, and and I think that that's kind of a, a story for everybody who is interested in running an event out there. You don't need to be perfect at running an event to actually yeah. run an event, like. Yeah. You know, and he there was a couple of times that he asked me, he's like, Wait, what's the rule on this? And I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, it's this rule. And I was able to point it to him in the core rule book, right? And he's like, oh, Okay, that I mean, that's the rule. So 
um, it's totally it's it's totally fine. I mean, being a TO just means that you're kind of organizing things and making sure that the counter's starting on time and that people know when they're supposed to end and making sure there's any kind of disputes that you can just kind of resolve them. And, um, you know, you, again, you don't have to be perfect or the most knowledgeable about it um, to run an event. So if you've got fears about doing that, like you want to run an event, but you're, you feel like you might be inadequate, go for it. Like you can do it. Like it's great. So, yeah. Lincoln, why don't you give us a rundown of the AOS GT? That was your first two days there, right? Yep, 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 yep. So AOS GT, uh, just over 200 players, a wide field. Um, I didn't. I saw a couple of new players, maybe like, let's say 5% were uh-huh. newer players. But there was a, Adepticon is not the most competitive AOS tournament. It is not. Uh, this year, the AOS tournament was not ITC, which is the right. ranking system for worldwide for AOS. And and uh, this year, Adepticon chose not to have it be an ITC event. It was, however, a, a golden ticket event for a Games Workshop, which means the winner, the, the Adepticon, uh, they kind of pride themselves on. They are wanting to reward players that know how to play, uh, but also enjoy the rest of the hobby. So they have beautiful mm-hmm. painted armies. They have good sportsmanship. So they give their two um, overall player awards with the highest battle points, sportsmanship, and paint for golden tickets. And those golden tickets this year are going to be to go to the the GW uh, championship in Atlanta, and they provide the winners with literally a golden ticket. I sent Jason, I sent you a picture of that with Caleb and Duncan who won it. Here in just a second. it literally is like a Willy Wonka golden ticket, and they pay for their airline, they pay for their food, they pay for their hotel, their taxi shuttle service, everything for the entire event. Um, and so last year it was, it was in Texas, and Caleb and Scooter both went. Guys at my club, um, great great it was friends in New Mexico. Of mine. In New Mexico, thank you. Yep. Yep. They went. They went last year with their gold. They both got golden tickets. So, um, my first game, I won. Uh, there, there's <laughs> Caleb on the left, and that's Duncan Bills on the right. Uh, both members of the bottom table bullies. So we we went one into our club went one and two, and we got the two golden tickets out of 200 people. So hats off to those guys. Uh, Duncan played a Lumineth list, and uh, Caleb plays his Zeech demons. So those of you that follow AOS probably know Caleb already. He's somewhat of a superstar when it comes to Warhammer. Uh, great guy, fun player, and a super tough opponent. Um, so uh, that after uh, my first game, I won. My second game, I ended up taking one by Tyler Mangle. And then um, I won my third game against a <laughs> a new KO player who had all of his, all of his uh, dudes in boats, let's say that. And I was able to surround his ships, um, and I shot them so they didn't blow up. But I got got them really close, and then I charged them, surrounded them, and just poked them enough that they exploded, and all the guys couldn't get out, so they died. So oh. it was a really what turn really was good, that in? Like turn, turn two, uh, bottom bottom of two, right? Yeah, it was top of oh. two was my turn, and then he he didn't really get a bottom of two. That was it. So um, he lost oh. like twelve hundred points in one turn when this, the guys couldn't get out of the boats. But uh, I played a really 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 tough Stormcast list. Uh, I ended up going into my my uh, least favorite pairing twice. That was against Nurgle, and uh, those are the two games in that tournament that I lost. Actually, I, I ended up three and two. 
I was really hoping for a four-one. I went three-two. Um, these the Giants that Jason's showing now. Those are that's the army that I actually played in the team tournament uh, that we we end up playing on Saturday and Sunday. So but, uh, before we get to the team tournament, there's a little bit of uh, controversy surrounding the oh, um, yeah. AOS ending, right? Like the the GT. For sure. So yeah. So, so because why don't you give us a little Depticon, Yeah, because of Depticon, like I said, they award those golden tickets to the top two overall. They announced before the tournament started on Thursday that they'd be making those awards after the top five. So after five rounds, they'd make the announcement for best overall. And then the winners of the top five, the, of the uh, after the five games, the top eight players after five games would make what they call the, 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 the final cut. And it'd be a, another day on Saturday where they, the top eight would play until only one player wins. Hmm. Well, the problem with that is that when you take, you know, groups of people and you travel across the country and you spend thousands of dollars in some cases to play games together and you have a team tournament on Saturday and Sunday and your buddy, in this case, Caleb is in the top five or he's in the top eight. Sorry. After the fifth round, he can't play with you in the team tournament on Saturday because he's got to play in that, that top eight cut. So Caleb said, Hey, I got my golden ticket. Duncan said, Hey, I got my golden ticket. And they both dropped from the tournament. And uh, they decided instead they would rather play with their friends in the team tournament than go for the winner-take-all top eight. So kind of a funny thing, bad planning on the part of Adepticon. Anytime you have an overlapping event with a team friend event, I think you're always going to lose out to people that want to play with their friends. And um, I feel like uh, maybe some, you know, in hindsight, they probably should have – done it maybe a bracket system where you enter the tournament on day one and you randomly get put into bracket a or bracket b kind of like an nba right east versus west whatever and then throughout the two days you get to where you can have five games and have an overall winner because maybe you're doing you know 125 people in one bracket 125 people in the other bracket and then they, they play each other and then the last game is the winner of the two brackets right play each other so yeah take a two take a three day tournament to just five yeah. rounds and have an overall winner so yeah. hopefully we gave them that feedback hopefully they do that next year because nobody wants adepticon unlike lvo and some of these other ones lvo is a tournament people go to lvo to play in a tournament it is not a, a con right it's not a convention that you go to, to hang out with your friends to buy stuff it really is just you go to, to play in a tournament. And I feel like Adepticon is much more of a convention. Right? Mm-hmm. You're there to see new games, play lots of games, and definitely spend time with your friends playing in, in some of the best team events in the world. Mm-hmm. Honestly, in 40K and, and, and AOS, some of the best team events in the world happen at Adepticon. And uh, so we really, as a team, we went to Adepticon for the team event, not necessarily for the championship. So a uh, little bit of drama because Caleb dropped out. Duncan dropped out, and what happened was like the top sixteen <laughs> became the top eight because they had four, I think four people drop out of the top eight to play with their friends. Wow! Mm-hmm. And so, did John Anderson end up winning the uh, Lumineth player who actually lost to Caleb? He went four and one, and he still made the top eight because of all the people dropping out. He went on to win the top eight, but probably shouldn't have been there if Caleb and Duncan and everybody else would have stayed. Right? He wouldn't have been there. But yeah. with, so, 
Yeah, a little bit, little, little bit of drama that way, right? Um, from what I understand, it sounds like they may be revamping some of the competition next year so that this yep. doesn't happen. Because I know that from the optic of like some of our competitive player friends who are staying at home, they saw that Caleb won his golden ticket and was like, I'm peacing out. And it sounded like, you know, he was just kind of being selfish about not wanting to play the extra, uh, you know, the top eight. Um, right. Just because it's like that, it looked like that. They posted right. it on, I think, Twitter where it said like Caleb Walters dropped in top eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so people are like, dude, the, he just yeah. takes his stuff and goes. Well, that right. wasn't it at all. He wanted to play with his friends. Yeah. They literally can choose. You can yeah. either play with the top eight or, and here, right, let's think about this, right, for all those competitive players out there. You go with your friends, you spend thousands of dollars, you travel together, you're staying together, you pay money to play in a team tournament. Yeah. And now you decide to stay in that top eight. You lose your first game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And now you're doing nothing Saturday and Sunday because your friends are playing the team tournament that you can no longer play in because you're not allowed to play, not allowed to change players in that team tournament on your way through. Yeah. So he made the decision that, you know, he'd rather play with us than play yeah. by himself. So, well, hopefully it's a lesson learned for people running cons and for the yep. Adepticon folk. I definitely think it is for sure. Yeah. So tell us about the tournament, the team tournament. Team tournament was great. So our team was uh, bottom table bullies. I was team captain this year. Um, Scooter, uh, who's there in the yellow, he actually put his medallion on the TO, if you can see here to the right, just being silly. The TO said, I've never had one of these on before. He was all excited (laughs) because he was wearing Scooter's medal for a minute. Scooter played Orc, Warclans, Iron Jaws. Um, Shocker. Yep, Shocker, right? He's probably the best Iron Jaws player in the world. and then uh, Caleb played Disciples of Siege, uh, Guild of Summoners. So he was, he was playing a thousand-point list summoning turkeys, right? Uh, two to three turkeys a game, usually. And then uh, Tim Howarth on the far left there. Tim was playing Stormcast, and he was playing with a Night Draconis and four uh, Storm Drake guards. So a real tough dragon list with Stormcast. And then I was playing Sons of Behemoth, Stomper Tribe. I pushed two models around the table for two days, mm-hmm. and I had an <laughs> amazing time. One, because look at those models, you know, expertly converted and painted yeah. by the Walters brothers, Scooter and Caleb. Caleb does all the converting, Scooter does all the painting. And um, just amazing. You can see there, it's just so, so much stuff going on with those models. The hot dogs, they've got a cooler full of sodas, you know, Statue of Liberty. Like it's just amazing. Look at the toe yeah. on that guy, right? It's yeah, just so yeah. Fun. I think Sorry. one of my one of my favorite parts is you can kind of see in the back here. There's a little grill. There's a grill barbecue, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's a cooler with an ice box back there, right? That uh, Caleb cut up little tiny cubes of resin and put them into be like ice cubes. They just spent so much time on the on these two models. Um, for uh, so, for those that for, are listening. Like these are two giant behemoths that are that probably stand like what eighteen inches tall, something like yeah, that. Yeah, they're big, and um, they are painted and converted to be at a Fourth of July celebration. One looks like Uncle Sam, the other one has like a British flag hood on it. You know, they're right. shooting off fireworks. One's carrying Old Glory, and they look to be at picnics, right? Like one guy's yep. got a bottle of beer spilling out. The other guy's got the Liberty Bell hanging from his waist. Yep, you know. Like yeah, yeah, red, just, white, blue birthday, red, white, blue cake on the picnic table and hot dogs yeah, on the picnic table. It's, it's just, just, just amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so I had a war stomper and a gate breaker, and 
we just had a ton of fun. Our last game, I'll talk about that. Was my probably my my most favorite moment of the the tournament. One of one of the two, and that was turn one charge. My uh, general can he, he has um, eager for the fight um, and the amber bone totem, so that allows him to run and charge. And and when he charges, he gets to charge three d six. So turn one, I moved him uh, ten plus six, and then I charged him twelve inches. <laughs> oh so, my god! So he it's hit like Karos. He hit Karos Fate Weaver, turn one, and took fourteen of his sixteen wounds off. Wow. And our opponent went what? <laughs> and suddenly they were on their back foot. And after mm. a, a really great game, we came out on top. And uh, that same. Uh, that same army, in this case, it was the Gatebreaker, had went into went into a fight with seven Chaos Chosen that had four attacks each, twos and twos. It rend one, two damage each. I had five wounds on the guy, and I finished the game with thirty-two wounds on the guy. So if he would have died, we would have lost the tournament, and he he lived. <laughs> so wow. the Giants literally saved the day. Uh, for that final round in our team tournament, so hats off to those two big brutes. They were great. I had a lot, of, a lot of fun pushing them around. So, so what? Um, explain to us how like the team tournament works because you have a team captain. There's it, it, this isn't like um the Nova Open team tournament where there's just two people playing in one. Right. It's literally four people, four different yep. factions, right? And yep. don't they have to be from different? Um... So so they have different awards. Um, so yep. they have an award for mixed, which was us. We had chaos. We had order. We also had destruction. So we had one from every um, faction per se. Um, and then we have other people who like played all Sylvaneth, for example. So they would get best best order if they had you know, overall for order. Oh, I see. Yeah. But we played mixed one of each. It makes it a little more, little more challenging, I think. But maybe you could also reap some of the benefits, right, from some of the rules um, between armies. And day one, we had uh, three games, day one, and the judges did our pairings. So mm-hmm. I was the captain. Round one, I played with Tim. Round two, I played with uh, Caleb. Round three, I played with Scooter. And then they played okay. with other people. Each of us had a 1,000-point army. Um, now, day two, it was really interesting. The team captain got to choose the player on the other team to play with their team captain against me and my and, and whoever they chose. Mm. So, so the second day, I chose um, like their third or fourth player to play with their captain, and then they chose Scooter to play with me. And we played each other. And so it was kind of a you got to pick who plays with their captain. They got to pick who plays with you. Yeah. And uh, and then the next one, they chose Caleb and I to play together. I think they I think all, both both players thought that dragons and giants were probably going to be too much hate all at once for them to handle. So they divvied them out. And our um, the the ogre the orc uh, the uh, the orc list it was tough, um, but it wasn't like we had you know we had one mock crusher. And three pigs and five ard boys. So, yeah. you know, on paper, it doesn't look really strong. So it's just really about the synergy that we we're able to build with all the lists that brought us out on top. But we had a great time playing, man. There's, that's the best part of Adepticon for me is playing with my friends. You know, championship yeah. and the gold ticket is awesome. But if I could, if I just had to go and play in the team tournament, I would totally go. And this year, I was not going to go because I was, I was, I did LVO, and I usually can't do two big tournaments like that at the same time of year. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a friend of ours who couldn't go. So I said, hey, they asked if I would come in and play. And I said, I'll play. So I played the Giants, and I'm happy we ended up winning overall. Nice. It was great. Yeah, very Good cool. Times. Very cool. Well, but, congratulations. But, you guys got a lot of medals. Yes, for sure. And I really wish I had planned to play Frostgrave on Saturday. Yeah. That was my goal. And then I had to swap out of Frostgrave and play AOS teams, which ended up working out great. But yeah, I, I really wish I could play Frostgrave too. So Awesome. But, uh, awesome. Well, uh, Jason, why don't you tell us about the War Cry narrative that happened on Friday? Yeah, so uh, the Narrative was hosted by the Dogs of Warcry. Yep. Um, we got then on Friday, and it was—I I feel like it was uh, a whole nother table. There were how many people were there? Do you know how many people? Were I in the think they—I uh, mean, they—they they were looking for a couple. I think there was like thirty-six, maybe. Yeah, thirty-six. Place. It was close. It was a lot, uh, which was really cool. Oh. It was an interesting way they did it too, because you know, whereas. Um, and, and, you know, in a more of a competitive tournament, you're going to have pairings. The first the first uh, round of pairings is typically random, right? But then it's pair- based off of winners winners and losers kind of brackets. Where these guys, when you first came, you picked um, you th- picked three categ- or three different areas that were like, they were like the motivation of your warband. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was, of course, like pa- power. We're like, my warbands come into the Gnarlwood to get power seek after power and glory another one was knowledge and wisdom um and another one was treasure um so what they tried to do was based off of what your kind of motivation was they tried to pair you up that way initially um and it was but it was really loose it was kind of like if you see someone you want to play with just go play with them you know right uh or just sit down and if if you don't know and you're not social just sit down and we'll make sure that somebody sits down at the table with you that's and how i, I like ended it, up finding my person i wasn't yeah, social I, apparently i felt like it worked <laughs> real well jason orton picked me the first hey jason let's play a game like oh boy you know yeah. <laughs> you had like a hard-hitting stormcast list uh and i had the untamed beast i'm like well i'm a little squishy here but what was it stormcast list inquiring minds want to know uh you, uh, you know what i couldn't tell you uh they were big shiny guys with lots of armor <laughs> um I play yeah. he, oh he was running guy. thunder he he had some annihilators and uh like a yeah. dwarf that kind of helped um uh, with movement he had a dude who had like toughness seven too yeah that's those are the two-handed <sighs> annihilator guys yeah 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 well, yeah he did have a he had a, a a dwarf as well but uh yeah Anyways, um, it was fun, all fun. Uh, The thing I loved about it was it was super, um, it was super narrative. It was focused. I mean, like there was a theme for your war. Everybody I talked to, some looser than others, but had a theme for their warband and you played the theme regardless Mm -hmm. of, sometimes you would overplay the theme versus wanting to win because it was about the experience of the narrative, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then based off of how how your match went, you recorded your own glory points on your own sheet and you just kept your sheet with you the whole time. And you would go up to the front and say, okay, you know, obviously roll for wounds because it was more of a campaign style to see if your guys survived or died, but you'd go up to the front and they would give you a, what was yours? Yours was power. Okay. Then they'd they'd hold up a sheet and they'd say, here's a little choose your own adventure, irregardless of whether you won or not. And then you'd kind of read it and you'd say, okay, I'm going to pick that one. And then they would pull a certain sheet out and say, okay, this is your next quest. So this yep. is how you would get extra glory in your next. You would have a hidden, like a hidden agenda for your next quest 
that could give you additional glory uh, based off of your choice from the first one. And it also provided a hero trait that was specific to that path. That you do you chose. remember what some of your quests were, guys? What did you do, power, Jason? Yeah, I did power. So, all right. So the first, go yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say the first, the first quest was, um, you. Now that it was to have two the... people, um, two people up on uh, high ground. Yeah, and was so the first quest. yeah, you had you had to do that, and but basically it was like, um, uh, you you saw some interesting things in the Nara Wood, and you know you needed to do the thing, and so the next, oh 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 no no, you ran into this, you you're in the Nara Wood, and you ran into this guy who's sitting down at the at his campfire, and he says. You want you know you want power here. I can teach you how to be powerful. I need you to go find me the this fruit that grows in the gnarl wood, right? So that yeah. was your first quest, and so you went in there, and and the mission was you know you had to get high ground and stuff like that, and then when you got off of there, you had a choice of to either take the fruit back to the guy or eat it yourself, right? And so I don't know about you, Jason, but I chose to eat it myself. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, my men yeah. were famished. <laughs> yeah, so we ate it, and then we went on a weird, like, fear and loathing in Las Vegas drug trip nice. from it, you know? And um, and then we saw this kind of, like, floating light that was kind of being our guide for a little bit, and then we had to, like, fight the next thing. And oh, cool. um, so, yeah, so you can see the, the, little, um, uh, the little sheet that we had right here of, like, you know, it would tell you kind of, like, the, the mission or kind of the narrative up top your hidden agenda. And then, um, you know, at the end of it, there was kind of like the little outcome that happened after the mission. And then you could choose um, at the bottom wow. a path. That's really right? cool. The so, top one, it says you yeah. can start the game with one extra wild dice. That's amazing. Yeah. That's the heroic yeah, trait. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a heroic trait that you would get. <laughs> and that awesome. was that was after you ate the fruit, right? You got to yep. start it with one extra wild dice. <laughs> yep. So. Yep. Funny. So, yeah, so the hidden agenda for the second one was to note down a quarter of the battlefield and to um, have more friendly fighters than another one. So that and that would have changed depending on your first choice. Right. So I liked it because it was it was a lot. It was less competitive and more fun. You still felt like there was a little bit of a little bit of connection to the actual outcome of the game, but it really wasn't. It was really just you about kind of choosing a narrative path for your band your war band everybody got a heroic trait whether you won or yeah. lost everybody got an artifact whether you won or lost it just depends on what which of these you chose to do at the end um but what it, what people who won did get was more glory points and mm -hmm. so at the end of the tournament everybody turned their packets in and they looked at the glory point stats based off of your wins based off of completing your hid hidden agendas uh and 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 those things and that's how they determined like the overall winners of who won in the power category who won in the treasure category who won in the knowledge wisdom category who won overall yeah. and they had a ton of rewards i mean it, it was a great event for helping i think people feel like um not isolated for not being the best player um they i mean they had your yeah. standard medals right like top three or whatever from Adepticon. Yeah, Adepticon medals, yep. Yeah, but then they had this tree with like seven bronze statues of some funny little animal on it. Was it. A like slon, it was a slon frog. Slon frog, yeah. And yeah. they gave out all these other awards for just other random things. So it, I think they, those guys did a really good job 
making it yeah. feel like a community. They had, a lot of- yeah, they had your traditional like, you know, Warcry boxes and models and hobby stuff that they were giving out. But they chose to raffle those because they had little frog trophies that they were, you know, giving out for the prizes, mm-hmm. which were really cool. But yeah, here's some here's some war bands. If you're watching us on YouTube, like uh, there's some war bands of uh, pictures that Jason took that were really awesome. Yeah, this is a, a cool one from Patrick. Ma- uh, I think McAlpine is how he said his last name. I played him. Really, really fun guy. He he was a local there. Um, he played a corn list that like had forged themselves down in the lava pits, uh, and were on their way up to make glory for and power for themselves. Uh, here's actually Peter's as well well peter's list and he you know obviously he's a gets a gets fan um he loves conversions oh yeah so this actually i think was his tyrant was a tyrant. uh was or megaboss was it megaboss yeah I think. It was a megaboss. well i don't remember what he he rolled it as for that tournament That's true. but yep it, it's but can you zoom in on it so many models right look at that can you zoom in on it so yeah. the best part about this he calls it the lord of bones right so he took like bone splitter shields and put it onto a Trogoth. And then he put like a little tiny, you know, uh, grot up on top with a spear, like he's riding them, you know? So, that, oh, yeah. I think this was his, I think he used this to do both Mega Boss and potentially Tyrant because I know he added that spear for the ranged attack for the Tyrant. Okay. Okay. I don't think he ran it as a Tyrant in his, um, in the narrative list though. But, anyways, yeah, ton of models, right? So many. I, yeah. Um, yep. So let's see. There's a, uh, oh, where's the, the one that won best painted? I'm trying to find it real quick. Here we go. It was the Nurgle one, I think. Uh, this was a great, a great looking one here. Zoom in. So I will say this. Um, I felt like if you did your models in bright colors, that you had an automatic leg up um in mm. that room because the lights were a little dimmer it was and and so like the mood lighting more, yeah so right. the more muted or desaturated um mm-hmm. models ended up looking really dark and kind of yeah. dingy um and so it was almost like advantageous to go super bright because then it looked normal right. uh, with how in kind fact, of dark it was the in the paint hallway. judges for all of the events when it went with flashlights oh interesting they had, they had like a I mean like natural light lights there or something some kind of special yeah. light they were looking at all of our models on the AOS side because of the, the weird light in there. Here's one yeah. I liked that uh, was just a bunch of uh, little squigs. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have, did you have um, our boys from uh, Madison, the basketball monster jam one? I do. I need to find it. Scroll through here and see if I can find so it. So he did, um, this was for the competitive war cry tournament. He did a um, Molog's like mob, which was like the Underworld's models, right? Mm-hmm. And he painted them all up to look like the Monster Jam monsters from Space Jam. That's awesome, right? And the squigs were all these like painted basketballs, and some of them were like deflated basketballs and like hanging from hoops and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like it was awesome. Like it was so funny. And all their bases were like hardwood basketball floor. You know, like it was amazing. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a close up of it, but this is him right here, and you can see if it you, that guy has his arm out and he's holding a squig as a basketball, <laughs> right there. And then this one, he has a backboard with a squig hanging from the net, which is facing the other direction. You can't see it. Unfortunately, I don't have it, but really, really cool concept. 
In fact, if you look at his shirt, it was themed, right? Look at his it shirt. Was a space He's got... Jam shirt. Yeah. Did you see it so with basketballs awesome. and everything? Yeah, yeah that's fun, a lot of fun, fun player. I think he won best uh, opponent. Um, oh, favorite opponent. Yeah, in, favorite opponent in the GT. Yep. Uh, and yeah, Darcy Bono actually played in the narrative, and I think she yep. won favorite opponent in the narrative as well, or in the narrative. Which I'm uh, I'm not surprised at because everybody wanted to play her. Oh, she's a right. she's a real friendly person. I mean, super friendly. Great, I'm sure it would have been a great game. A, yeah. Yeah, and and she's um you know obviously a great painter, kind of an internet celebrity, and so everybody was clamoring to play for her, play with her. Which uh, I mean, when you're popular, you're popular, right? Yeah. This I want to call this one out. This is uh Thomas from Canada. Who's uh, a fan of the show, by the way? Fan of the show, probably listening. So we're showing pictures, man. Look, make sure you're watching on YouTube. We're showing a picture of your warband. So he had a Seraphon list here, which um, I I think he painted really well. This um, and unfortunately, my cam my phone camera is not going to do it justice yet. It's still a little blurry, but really, uh, what's that like a bone spitter or something? Is what it was called. Um, that is a ra uh, razor don. Razor don, um, yeah, which spits like. His little like yeah, razors. shoots like the razor bones, yeah. Which is a great and, model because it yeah. doesn't have a minimum range, so you can use oh, wow. it in melee as well. They, it's like a yeah, yeah. And he painted this like a kind of like a stone, stone rock style like lizard warband, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. I got to play him in. Um, I think we played in the GT uh and it was a it was a fun match a lot of fun he's a great player he's super fair super fun um you can tell he's there to have a good time but also he plays hard uh which was that's i love those kinds of opponents the ones that are smiling all the time whether the dice rolls for them or rolls against them you yeah know, he's one of those guys so a lot of fun hopefully we can play more with uh thomas in the future for sure all right so uh the GT was great. It was nice and competitive. Warcry was a little bit different. Obviously, it wasn't as competitive. Um, I did feel like some people brought like very competitive lists for that narrative. For the narrative, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, this feels like it should have been in the GT, you know? Because um, I I purposely brought a very toned down list. I just brought my straight vanilla uh, Rottmeier Creed. Um, and I faced off against some lists that I was like, Ooh, this is a spicy list, but you know, I mean, they didn't put any kind of restrictions or anything in there. So people were just bringing like what they wanted to bring and, and stuff like that. So that is, that is kind of how it goes. Did you um, see anybody just play the, in the box Warcry band? Yeah, there was a few people. I mean, oh, I played I my straight out of the box Rottmeier Creed. Yeah. Um, I saw some, I saw another, well, no. The other guy who was playing Rottmeier Creed was also playing Lord of Afflictions as well. I went. I mean, I played uh, Untamed Beast right out of the box. I went yeah. two and one with him. Awesome. And uh, and the one my one loss to Justin was a really close game. It was like a two points off. Awesome. And it, and it came down to the last round against Stormcast. So, and, and which another testament to Warcry, right? Like depending on the depending on the the mission you pick, it, it could be a chess game versus a kill game. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah. So it was pretty good. But let's talk about Saturday, which was Lincoln. That was your first day of the AOS team tournament. But Jason and I headed over to the Hyatt Renaissance and played at uh, the Frostgrave All Day event. Now, I just want to say this: this this fa has failed me not in any of the convention I've gone gone to. 
the best events I've ever had are usually in the off hotels. Um, you know, that aren't in like the main convention hall or whatever. And the reason for that is because they're usually find like this, like out of the way room that has lots of space. It's quiet. You can talk, you can hear each other. You don't have to kind of shout to be heard. The lighting's better, you know, like you just feel much more comfortable and relaxed at those places. It was this way with, um, uh, it's this way with, uh, you know, the frost grave that we just played. It was kind of this way with the war cry that we played. Jason, remember that little room that we had? Um, was just nice and relaxed in there. Everybody really liked it. And it was, it's always that way with Gen Con. If you can go play in the basement of the Marriott at Gen Con, like you've got a winning combo there because it's just really relaxed and a lot of fun. So, um, I already knew that I was going to really like it before we even got there because I'm like, okay, we're playing in the off hotel. And, uh, sure enough, it didn't disappoint. It was really good. It's great. I, yeah. I, I like off hotels too. Um, this one, uh, we also had the benefit of being in one of the convention halls that was off from all of the others, too. So it was a lot. It mm-hmm. was very, uh, I don't want to say quiet, but it was um, isolated from the other events. Because I did go down once, down around to where most of all the others were in one hallway. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot louder and felt more like the uh, the open open area there where there was a lot of like the historical war gamers that was going on. And this is kind of a newer thing for Depticon too. The fact that they've grown so much with so many games. I even saw eighth edition fantasy being played in the, in the hall. Oh wow. So they've really opened it up to try to um, give everybody a place to play that they're going to other hotels besides just the the major convention center hotel. So yeah, I think it's a, a good sign that they have a, an eager audience to play wherever they can play so yeah yeah well frostgrave had um there there was four tables for frostgrave four players on each table so there was like 16 and then stargrave had like three tables is that about right jason felt like it yep Mm -hmm. and same like so every scenario that this guy was running um had four players in it so they were like four player scenarios now the table that we were at jason we only had three that showed up that day um so we just played a three-person event which was totally fun i think that there's some drawbacks to that just because of where you had to place your army mm-hmm. i got caught in the middle in the second game and that i felt like i was getting you know getting i was stuck behind on. a rock in a hard place um you know but it was a good it was a good like learning lesson and kind of had to try to figure out what was that but um but yeah we had a we had a really good time there and um i think jason this was our first time playing Frostgrave ever uh, well, that's not true because Lincoln, the night before, Lincoln walked Jason and I through a game, which I thought was supremely helpful. Like we really kind of walked into that feeling confident that we could play and run our game. And it was good because Jason and I played on our game, played in our game, and the other guy that was playing with us had only played one other game, and it was with his kids before, right? So um, so we had the opportunity to play. Uh, I thought that the table terrain was really good. Like it just really felt thematic as you're playing on it. And, um, yeah, it just, uh, we had some great, we had some great scenarios that we did. Yeah. Very, very snowy. I think I was worried at first about our first game because there was this giant open kill zone area right in the middle. Right. But, um, but it ended up playing really well. Uh, you know, we, uh, we used a lot of, we, we used a lot of smarts. I think we used the terrain to kind of edge in with the trees and I think that was something that I started to notice about Frostgrave is because of all the train, 
And because of the way the mechanics in the game work with giving you cover, if you're touching terrain, it, it, it felt more thematic of people like really, you know, shuffling from tree to tree to try to get up there uh, while avoiding the archers that were kind of shooting down the kill zone. Um, But, but, but even with that, man, I think Justin on one, one of those, one of those (laughs) turns, I cast like this crazy spell that gave you like minus four because there were flies all over your head. You moved and you still shot and like, took a guy off the board like uh, so what happens when you roll a nat 20 you were on hot man in that game <laughs> pick him up baby yeah yeah furious yeah. quill is that what you're cast or anyways yeah there's some really really good yeah, spells it's like in that uh game. stinging flies or something like that i don't remember yeah biting flies i think biting or flies like that. or something yeah that's great yeah, yeah there's kind of a, a rule in the, in the core rule book it says you know if possible there shouldn't be more than 12 inches of line of sight ever in the mm-hmm. game of Frostgrave, just to kind of, you know, you don't want these. These guys are shooting bows and arrows, right? They don't have rifles. So they shouldn't right. be shooting 30 inches across the table at you, you know, I mean. But uh, it's it's a it's a good, looks good. The table looks great. Well, I think the reason why he had that open, right? Because um, this was a custom scenario that was developed right. for this con. And right in the middle of that table, you can see that there's a figure standing on top of a treasure token. And he was our shadowy figure, right? So he was trying to kind of like do something to the treasure. And then the, the rule was is that if he saw a warband, he would jet. He 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 tried to get out of there as yeah. fast as he could, right? And we were each given secret missions. My secret mission was to follow him off the edge of the board. Jason, I think you had to subdue him, right? I had to try to subdue him, yeah. Yeah, so he had to do a damage to him. And then if he did... Um, he could Jason could then drag him off the board edge like, like a treasure. Nice. And um and then the <laughs> other guy was trying to kill him. Yeah. Right? Oh wow. So, so you're trying to keep him alive. You're trying to yep. kidnap him. The other guy's trying to kill him. Yeah. Yep. So I realized I made the mistake of whenever I was attacking that guy, I had Justin roll for him. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> because like I mean I had like three guys surrounding him. Yeah. I'd come up as like this is gonna be the Sadu hit. I got like a plus six. I'd roll and Justin be like natural twenty. I'd be like, <laughs> <There's> <laughs> like five natural twenties that first yeah. game. Yeah, I was so, all set too, man. I had a teleport potion. Yep. I was gonna knock him, subdue him, and then I was gonna teleport to the board edge. Yep. Look at that. So yeah, best but, laid uh, plans made the, I know. the laid the yeah. waste, right? Best I know. And plans. the other guy kept trying to shoot like crazy, so I was trying to take care of the other guy. Um, he was given a bear. Right, because he was like a level two, <laughs> right. and so he sends right, the bear, bear right the over to here. me. And of course, I'm like, "You don't want to do that." No, he not. sends it right over to me, and my wizard says, "Oh, I'll just cast, uh, you control know, animal. Tame, control animal, and that's my bear now, right?" And so then that <laughs> then I tur- turned that bear around and ate his apprentice, right? Right. So, so, so you talked, to, you told me about this, right? So one of the great things about Frostgrave is that there's the other players. But generally, there's also wild creatures on the board that you that yeah. you have to interact with, and um, it, and one of the great things for Frostgrave is that you don't have to be the same level, right? A yeah. lot of these skirmish type games where you have a campaign, you level up. Sometimes players that can't play all the time they get left behind. Mm-hmm. Frostgrave has a uh, balancing mechanic that if you're, I think it's if you're ten levels higher, nine levels higher than another player, you get to roll on a chart and then bring in a random animal or creature. And that becomes part of your warband. Yeah. So in this case, danger or danger, Justin Danger Smith, walk us through that interaction with you with that that bear because you told me and I just thought it was hilarious. Well, what's funny? So here's what's funny. 
he was told, and you know, he was told to put the to put the bear anywhere on the board right. to where he couldn't attack my guys the first turn, right? Because that would have been a little unfair. And he decided to put it right next to his warband and then get my guys in to where he could almost attack them first turn. Right. So I was like, oh, this is not happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so as soon as he came there, when it was my wizard's turn, I cast the control animal spell and it went off on something stupid, ridiculous, like a 19 or something right. like that. So then the bear had to try to roll a will check to not be controlled and over a 19, which didn't happen. So then he ended up being controlled. Here's the problem. His two, his apprentice and his wizard cast these two explosive sigils right next to the bear and my two other guys so that when I moved them, both of them went off. They both blew mm-hmm. up and he ended up rolling a, a natural 20 on damage to that bear. Mm-hmm. So the bear ended up going from like 20 health to one. So he only had one health left, but the bear still swiped into the apprentice and ate him. And then like his crossbowman shot him and then he died. So I only got like one turn with him, but he still nom nom nomed the, right. the apprentice. You just imagine, right? right? This wizard, you're like, oh, we got this bear. All right, bear, go! And then all of a sudden, the bear turns around. It's like snack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the apprentice is yeah. like, no. Well, they fixed that. They fixed like, it in the oh. second game. In the second game, yeah. they gave him a troll. Yeah, right. I gave him a nice troll, so I wouldn't do control animal. I'm yeah. like, come right. on, that was fun. But what's um, funny is both Justin and I like debuffed that troll so, so hard badly. in the first yeah. in like the first round we were like uh-uh <laughs> we know i cursed it i shot it with poison dart so it it had like a negative there, four yeah. to his roll yeah and I then put the like insects it, on it he only so had, had like one activation terrible. That's all. Yeah. yeah i played yeah. a frostgrave game yesterday like it, i said and um one of the funny things that happened was there was a white uh white gorillas and i kept trying to charm this stupid white gorilla but they have plus five to their uh, will. Oh, yeah. Or maybe it was plus eight. It was crazy. I think it was plus eight. Plus eight to will. And you have to beat my casting rule. So it was impossible. I tried and tried and tried to end up eating my apprentice. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, you you mentioned, Lincoln, um, about this table kind of being open. I think it was done on purpose. And I think I told you this earlier this evening. I think it was done on purpose because the mission was we each had separate missions with this guy. Like mm-hmm. it would have been, in my opinion, it would have felt more unfair if you would have gone in and grabbed the guy and then disappeared around a corner, never to be seen again. Right. Like you almost needed right. to give the guy to kill like a chance to right. shoot. Yeah, there needed the, to be a way for all three of you guys to interact with that and not get blocked by a hedge or I yeah, can't exactly. see him. So you can't shoot at him. Right. Yep. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Um, that sounds like a really fun scenario. And it's, I wonder what the fourth person would have been. Yeah, the fourth you know. person was supposed to um, get oh get gosh. the treasure. Yes, the fourth person was supposed to get the center treasure mm-hmm. specifically, um, and yeah. it had something to do with it had something to do with learning about the treasure that was in the next game. Yep, gotcha. Was that the ice troll? Yeah, that's the ice troll. Yeah, that's the, a great looking model, by the way. Yeah, right. I've got right? that model. It's a D and D model. Looks super. I painted great. one just like that, except he's green. Um, but uh, yeah, that that picture's our next one that you can see the shadowy figure right there on the right. Um, nice. that was I was fighting him down there. 
um, when Jason snapped that picture. But this this one was uh, really great. Like the terrain here, there's a lot of buildings. There was like platforms and things yeah, like that. Yeah, the snow looks so. great. Look at it, man. That looks awesome. Dude, his snow was legit on this one. It was really good. You have to ask him what he used for that. Be very yeah, okay. to know. Yeah, it was really good. And obviously, most of this you can see kind of the lines of the 3D printer on the stones there. Yeah. But um, most of this was 3D printed, but it looks so good. It was it was very well done. Yep. Frost yep. games are usually made up of beautiful tables, which I really love. It makes it a lot more epic feeling. Yeah. So. Cool, yeah, cool. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Overall, we played two games. That's all we. That's all we ended up playing. We played two games, but um, it was uh, a just an absolute blast. We had a we had a great time. Um, and then, um, the other nights we played some games, right? We played secret healer one night, Lincoln, you walked us mm-hmm. through Frostgrave another night. And then our last night there, we played cutthroat, um, cutthroat caverns, caverns, which was a, a really fun group game that we had. Justin Orton joined us for that. Yeah. And, uh, we can't, we can't not talk about the food, right? I think that was one of the best parts about going to Chicago for this convention was the food. And, uh, Jason just pulled up a picture there of us at, uh, Giordano's. Yeah. 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 In that fact, was we had amazing pizza. It was. We had just so a great, much food to eat. Just a great example of the community, too, right? Like, this was right after the GT, and like 11 of us that were in the GT, like, all piled in vehicles and went to Giordano's. We got two tables and just hung out for the right, night. Like right. Like, dudes who didn't know each other before. And now you yeah. guys yep. are all eating pizza together and just yeah. chilling, right? Yep. Yeah. That's what I love about this gaming community. And Warcry, I feel like a lot of the players are playing for fun, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. it really is. Like, um, you know, uh, Noah Singh, one of the best players at AOS, you know, he has this, this kind of mantra that's making its way across the internet that in his five games, he's not looking for five wins. He's looking for five new friends, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's an awesome mentality to have, right, as you play any kind of war gaming. And I think that it's a kind of community that if you're playing that way, you will find five new friends if you play the right way. And if you're not finding five friends, it's probably on you, buddy. Yeah. yeah. You know? Is this uh? Is this Stephen Colbert? Did he photobomb? Or... Um, probably. <laughs> kind of looked like Stephen Colbert, doesn't it? He right knew there. we were playing and, and where we were That's going right. for dinner, so he wanted to get in our picture. <laughs> the last place That's we hit before we got out of town was Portillo's, man. Yeah. That was that was good Chicago-style dog. So you got we got oh, some yeah. Chicago-style Chicago style deep dish and some Chicago-style hot dogs. So good stuff. Good eats awesome. out there in Adepticon. Good time. There was, so there was one, one other restaurant that we went to Lincoln, and I had I got this uh, bacon wrapped meatloaf that was just yes. incredible. Awesome. Like it was yeah. the best meatloaf I've ever had in my life, and it was so good, and the potatoes were so good. And they give but, you two of them. They give you two oh of them gosh. over mashed potatoes, right? Like it's it was so, much, so food. much food. It was so much yeah. food, and I just couldn't stop eating it. And so when I got done. Lincoln's like he's gonna throw up. Like I was just like, oh, and I it instantly hit like food coma. I was like falling asleep. I think we the got table. to the car. Justin was snoring before the door closed. Like it was yeah. like that kind of food coma. Oh, dude, I was so, so out. I was so out. Was but it was funny. so good. So we good. had. A, I actually had a really great Adepticon, man. This was a great con. I I am excited. If I have to pick right now, if you ask me Adepticon or LVO. I'm going to Adepticon, man. I just have so much mm-hmm. fun. It, it, although it's not as hardcore of a tournament scene, I'm 100% okay with that. I had a great time just hanging out with people and playing games, and I really loved it. I had a great time, man. I, I can't wait. Yeah, to man. That. It's awesome. I, I had a, I love cons. Cons are so fun, yeah. especially ones where people are just there to have a good time and right. 
play games that they love I, playing. I want to play lots of different games. That's one thing that I want to do. And my friends know it too. Like I said, I was not going to play in the team tournament this year. Um, I want to play different games at a con. I don't want to go and play one game the whole time, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, to Gen Con. Like that is the next thing on my wall. Is yeah, man. I, I cannot wait. I cannot. I'm so pumped to go to Gen Con, man. So, because you've con, never baby. been, you've never been to Gen Con to play games, right? Right, I, I, right, right, right. I've I've only ever worked at Gen Con. I worked at Gen Con yeah. for maybe like I don't know, I guess like eight years or something. But um, one time, Scooter and I played some games while we were there. Like we took it like a half a day off or an evening off. We played some Pathfinder and some other stuff. Yeah. Um, that was the only time that we went. We, we didn't have uh stuff to do. So. I'm really excited. We're going to play. I'm going as an attendee, man. I am. Yeah. Pumped. Pumped, bro. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, if you guys uh, are interested in Adepticon, keep your eyes open. Usually the tickets go on sale in November. Is that right? Yeah. Usually open up in November. October, November. They'll start talking about stuff. They'll get the event list will come up way before tickets go on sale. So, yeah. You'll get an idea. So, you you should uh, definitely check it out. Uh, it, it was a great time, a great con, easy to get to, easy to get around. Uh, and, um, it was, I felt like it was smaller than the Nova open. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. About the same size as the Nova open, definitely smaller than a gen con. But what that did is it created, it created kind of more intimacy there in the games as well. Right. Like you saw people over and over again, you made friends, you saw your friends in the hallway it's not like at Gen Con where you play with the dude at the table, you have a great time, and then you never see them again, right? right. So, um, yep. the, you know, that's a great thing about Adepticon. So uh, I will say this about Adepticon. It is a miniatures convention. Yep. It is not. It's not a board game convention. It's not a role-playing convention. Nope. Right? There's a, they couple, have of, some there's of a couple of events. I've actually yeah. thought about running some. Yeah. Like, not, not kidding, because I think that there is a, there is a need for it. Um, yep. So, it, like I said, it's been growing a lot. It's at different hotels now, yeah. right? And uh, so I yeah. could see them definitely doing maybe as it grows. I would love to see an RPG night. I would love that, dude. Yeah, let's do it next time. Like yeah. Saturday night, an RPG night goes from nine until one or something like that. Let's do it. Be awesome. Yeah, it'd be great. So, yeah, Adepticon was great. Uh, we encourage everybody that uh, that was thinking about it to check it out next year. We'll. I know I'm 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 pretty sure that I'd like to go back and uh, you know uh, have it on the calendar because the nice thing is it spreads out some of my conventions a little bit right and um, it's a good one to start the year off with for sure. Yep. So, well, if uh, thank you everybody for listening to the show tonight. We um, we are grateful for you listening to our ramblings about uh, conventions and and all that. Uh, if you feel inclined to support us, we have our Patreon that um, has different levels that you can support us at. Uh, The link is down below in the description. And if you um, are interested, go ahead and click that and um, see what you got for us. We have um, some new products coming out soon that, um, you know, as as part of it. And I know I got my disco light. (laughs) We're going to get Justin. I think Justin's (laughs) going to a dance after this. Yeah, exactly. I think I need new lights. So, yeah. So your Patreon funds will help prevent Disco <laughs> Justin. So yeah, we don't want Disco Justin. We no, don't want him. No. We don't want <laughs> nope. <him>. Nope. <laughs> Disco Stu doesn't advertise. Um, 
So yeah, anyway, but if, if you're interested in supporting us, we we would love the support. We appreciate it. And we appreciate our Patreons who are there helping us right now. So thank you to everybody. Thank you all for listening. Uh, let us know what you think of the episode. If you were at Adepticon, let us know what you played. And uh, otherwise, everybody keep the dice rolling and have a good night. All right. See ya. See you later. Can't wait to see you across the table. Let's go. That's right.